This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. Anybody know what the urban plunge is? Show your hand, show your hand. Okay, little noise, little noise, something about that? Okay, all right. Well, I'm here to remind you about it. Uh, the urban plunge uh, takes place over the spring reading break, and it provides opportunities during that one week for you to learn more about different facets of life. There's, there's sort of four themes. One theme is that you can learn about uh, how to care for God's creation. Another thing is learning how to welcome and to engage uh, refugees. Another theme is learning more about community development. And last but not least, there's learning about uh, hope in the inner city. Uh, so there is, if you want more information, uh, in the Tusa Lounge tomorrow, the 14th at 9 p.m. Oh, that's kind of late. All right. Well, not for y'all, but for me. Uh, 9 p.m., you can come out to the Tusa Lounge if you want more information about that. And uh, the application deadline is January 17th. Tusa Lounge tomorrow, 9 p.m., Application deadline is when? 17th. Praise the Lord. Look at that. All right. So I am not speaking today. Peter Wokel is. Anybody know who Peter is? All right. So Peter, I asked him uh, as I was planning the chapel calendar just to share some of his testimony, some of his story, his journey with God. And so would you put your hands together for our assistant chaplain of outreach and all kinds of cool stuff, Peter Wokel. Yes. Uh, welcome, everybody. Brothers, sisters, children of God. Um, I don't use that language all the time, but I thought it was appropriate and applicable here today. Uh, a, a little reminder that what we engage in here and now isn't just what we see. That, that, that sort of the reality that we exist in isn't just the one that we can see with our eyes. Eyes, there we go. Now it's actually on. Now I get why you guys didn't respond. Um, did you actually hear that first part? Yeah, ish. Hey, perfect, wonderful. Benefits of a loud voice. Uh, Got to tell my third grade teacher. Let her know. Hey, it was helpful. Um, sorry, what was I saying? Yeah, realities. Uh, we we exist as as the children of God. We exist and in. in in almost like two different realities. There's the realities we see, the reality right in front of us, the physical reality, but also um, a spiritual reality that is beyond us, that, that is inside of us, that is through all things and in all things and above all things, that can be easy to forget. In the day-to-day, -day, in the everyday, in the mundane, it can be very easy, for me at least. I won't speak for all of you, but it can be very easy for me to forget that I am not just my body, I am not just my thoughts, I am not just my experience here right now in this chapel, but I exist as something more. God exists in something more, that there is a reality beyond us that we are tapped into, that one day we will come to know even more intimately and perfectly, but for now we know imperfectly, but still nonetheless the beautiful and great effect for us. So sorry, that's a bit of a weird tangent right at the beginning, but I just want to ground us in that sacredness here in this place that maybe as you go throughout the year, as you come to chapel, you could, you could slowly begin to understand it, not just as the gym, 
not just as these blue mats, the bleachers, the worship band, whatever, but us entering into something greater, us stepping into a new reality. Let's keep that in mind as we go forward. I want to start us off with some scripture. This is Ecclesiastes 1.1. Get ready, it's a bit of a ride. (laughs) Uh, These are the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which we can say, look, that's something new. It was here already, long ago, it was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Woof. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, That's that's heavy stuff. Uh, Again, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but when I come to those words, uh, that's sort of like a what the heck moment. What am I supposed to do with that? Um, But nonetheless, despite the fact that it's difficult, uh, it's got a lot to teach us. There's there's a lot that's really good in there. I think when I was a kid, I primarily understood Ecclesiastes as a warning. Um, That is the opening poem. That is the intro, and, and, and the, the, uh, the author here um, goes on to expand on that throughout the entire book, basically saying, look, all of these things that humans are really classic at putting their faith in, that they put all of their hopes in, wealth, money, status, achievements, like all of those things are going to pass away. If you put all of your purpose, all of your meaning, if you put all of who you are into those things, if you say, look, yeah, I just got to stack enough cheese and I'll be good. I just need to like, like run the biggest corporation and I'll be good. I just need to be loved by enough people and I will be good. I, I, mean, I mean, really, pretty literally he says, yeah, okay, but like what about when you die? Like that's, that's his main argument. Of all the things you can do, all of it will inevitably end in death and become meaningless at that point. Okay, and so, so from that perspective, it's a bit of a warning to say, like, okay, don't get too full of yourself. You know what I mean? Um, give, like, like, cast your eyes to God. 
fear of the Lord is what will last. He is our ultimate inheritance. Um, um, we will be with him. And so when we devote our lives to that, that is ultimately what will bring us purpose, what will bring us meaning. All of this other stuff is, is really just separate, really secondary. And I don't know about for all of you, but for me, sometimes growing up, or I mean, even now, sometimes I look at that aspect of it, that warning of it, and I'm sort of like, yeah, okay, cool, got it. Like, that was, you know, learned that in first grade, sort of a deal. And I guess I just, before we jump over, I just want to remind us that, like, these things the author is talking about, as much as we might know, like, that truth and, and maybe feel like we don't always need to be reminded of it, it's probably good just to remember that, like, these are the things, like, if you took a list of every human ever that existed and took account of, like, what were the big things that they struggled with, it, it would be this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, if we look at, at the enduring uh, uh, compiled list of the things that humans throughout time have struggled with idolizing, it would be these things that he's talking about. And so I think it's always relevant for, uh, for us to come to that and keep that warning in mind. But that warning isn't actually what I want to talk about. That was um, maybe my first understanding of, of Ecclesiastes, and it's a very good one. It's a good one for us to remember. For, it's a good interpretation for us to carry forward with us as we go through life. I think it's life. I think it's always, always relevant. But um, a few years ago, I think I came to understand Ecclesiastes in a bit of a different way. And whereas this warning can almost be a bit of a hand slap, a bit of a, like, parent sort of telling a child, like, look, this burner is hot. Do not touch that burner. You know, wealth is going to be calling your name. You're going to want to get acclaim from everybody. You are going to want to um, be loved by people. Uh, but that stuff's not going to bring you. That's not going to bring you purpose. That's not going to bring you meaning. You got to be careful of that. Um, but I, I, I think in, in examining Ecclesiastes through a bit of my own story, uh, I came to actually see it as a deeply, deeply empowering thing. A message, a book of really quite profound hope in the midst of difficulty. Uh, I won't cover my whole story, but I just want to tell you one small part of it. I want to, want to take us all back to eighth grade, um, 12-year-old Peter. I don't know, is that how old I was? How old are eighth graders? 12? Let's go 12. 12-year-old um, Peter in a wheelchair. Uh, I grew up with, with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, but my joints were screwed basically from the beginning. They just never worked properly. Um, all throughout childhood, like a year and a half it came on, and all throughout childhood, I managed it, got through it. Um, it was rough, it was painful, it was hard, but it was also in some ways quite beautiful. Uh, I had an incredibly loving family. I had a church that was like really incredible at supporting uh, a, a family in need, supporting me, my, my parents. Um, the things that they did for us to support us was absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I had a, a really strong, enduring faith in God. I had like absolutely no doubt in my mind that, that he would always be with me. I had some early experiences of Christ's love and faithfulness that left me with this unshakable knowledge that he would always be there for me. And so even in the midst of quite severe physical pain um, and difficulty, 
there was goodness there. Like life was good, even in spite of its badness. And it was, it was beautiful in a lot of ways. Uh, fast forward to eighth grade. Um, the disease takes a little bit of a turn. Formerly, it had, there'd been a bit of a cycle of like something would hurt for a while, and it'd be rough, and then it would stop hurting. Something else would hurt, and, you know, that was just a big cycle. But, uh, but one thing would be bad for a few months, and then, you know, it would just like transfer to something else, and that joint that didn't feel great now felt fine. Uh, eighth grade, it, 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 it sort of jacked itself up a little bit, and, um, and it came to the point where I could no longer walk. Uh, my, my, my hips had started to basically fall apart, like, like really physically at the, at the basic level. Um, they had started to fall apart in an exceptionally painful way. And in a way that was irreversible, naturally. Like in a way that the body was never going to heal itself. It was just never going to get better on its own. Um, it was probably, to this point in my life, the, the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Uh, uh, the pain was overwhelming. And, and at a certain point, there, there started to enter in some of these thoughts of like, is this going to be forever? Um, is this pain ever going to go away? Am I ever going to be able to walk again? Uh, so, so that's what I was going through. Um, and, and, and it turns out that through that process, through what was really a, a beautiful and in some ways miraculous process, uh, I, I was actually able to get my hips replaced. Uh, a few months into my, my joints just being horrible, um, into everything sort of, sort of falling apart. My, my doctors had said, look, this doesn't happen often. We don't really do this for kids. This surgery isn't normally available, but we just happen to have one of the only doctors in the world here in Portland who will do this operation for you. Um, think very carefully about this. Do you want to do it? <laughs> and of course, me as a 12-year-old, was like, uh, yeah, I'm in. Uh, yeah, I thought very carefully about it. I promised that 30 seconds was like, seemed way longer than it, or was way longer than it seemed. Um, my parents were a bit more hesitant, but, um, but in the end, it was like, okay, we got a 12-year-old who can't walk and is never going to be able to walk again if we don't do something. going to be in horrible pain. Like, I don't know. It wasn't really a decision, you know what I mean? Uh, for me and my family, at least. So we did it. And it was amazing. It was absolutely, spectacularly amazing. I had gone from not being able to walk to being able to walk again. I had gone from absolutely some of the worst pain I could possibly imagine to like, for sure, rehab, recovery is difficult, it's painful, it hurts. But getting to that point more and more each day of just being able to be myself in my body not have to worry about that pain. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was a gift from God. And, and one thing I forgot to mention was throughout all of this time, with my hips as difficult as it was, one of the things that kept me going was my relationship with God, my faith in Him. Still, I had no doubt that even in the midst of this pain that I wasn't sure if I could handle, I knew that He could. I knew that through his strength, I would be able to get through it. So there we go. A year after my hips first start giving out, I've got new ones. I can walk. I can run. I can skip. I can jog as much as my parents might not like me to at the time. 
And the arthritis is still there. It's still doing its thing. Um, but, you know, got through the worst of it. I'm like, I am good. This is awesome. Life's great. And then, then at a certain point, uh, this is maybe November, basically a year after my hips first started going, my, my shoulders started getting bad. And maybe a month after that, I felt the first click, the first pop. It was that same pain that I had felt in my hips, the same pain that I had first felt and first knew this is something different. It was, it, it, it just told me right in that moment, it's not over. It's all happening again. And I didn't realize this until much, much later. Um, uh, you know, you 12-year-olds aren't, I guess 13-year-olds aren't that introspective. Uh, but, you know, as a 25-year-old, I was far more so. And in looking back, I realized at that moment, something in me changed when I first felt that, 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 that click again, when I first knew it was happening again, something in me changed, and it was this thought. I had just gone through such a difficult thing and, and accomplished it. I had gotten through it well. And yet here I am facing the same thing again. It was all for nothing. It was all a striving after wind. Which was rough. Um, that was a very, very difficult thing. And I don't think, like I said, I realized that for, for a long, long time. But, but a part of me came face to face with an aspect of this world that doesn't totally make sense that is really hard to fit within all of the different justifications we have, all of our different logical thoughts, all of our different reasons for believing what we believe, this idea that there was something that I came up against that I could not control. I could not fit it within the frameworks, the structures, whatever. And for a long, long time, I didn't acknowledge that fact. I just shoved it down. I had this idea that, oh, God, like my value, my worth comes from my ability to endure this, to be ultimately faithful, to not have any doubts, to not struggle with this idea of pain, to not struggle with what it means to be meaningless sometimes, to not know where the meaning is coming from. And yet later, uh, uh, this is a few years ago now, as, as I started to dig into that a little bit, as I started to think, hey, what was it that, that changed all that time ago? I was reading through Ecclesiastes, and what I read was no longer a warning against me being too high on myself. It was no longer a warning of what to seek after and what not to seek after. It was this small, subtle acknowledgement that Peter, within this, you are not alone. Within this great uh, uh, spiritual reality in which we exist alongside all of the Christians throughout time and space, in which we exist worshiping alongside Aquinas and Augustine, Peter and Paul, Mary and Joseph, Martin Luther King Jr. and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that I in my moments of uncertainty, in my moments of doubt, in my moments of striving after wind, am not alone. 
that, that, that the author of Ecclesiastes so long ago went through this very same thing and so many countless people throughout the history of the faith have done it as well. And that, like Ecclesiastes says pretty directly, that our fulfillment, our purpose, our meaning, our value, it doesn't come from our ability to accomplish anything. It doesn't come from our ability to make perfect sense of everything that happens to us or through us. It comes from God himself. We are not going to be able to get it done ourselves. And yet he will. I've gone just a bit over, and so I'll finish up with this. I just want to say, um, sometimes we don't always do a great job from, from uh, yeah, just in the church, of talking about the really difficult parts of life, the moments of doubt, the moments where we're not sure if it has meaning, the moments of deep suffering, the moments where we're really wondering, is God going to show up for this? And so I just want to speak to any of you out there who have maybe had this thought or similar ones that you're not quite sure how it all fits together. You're sitting there and you're trying to connect the dots, but you just can't. I want to tell you, it's okay. You're not alone. And it gets better. Like I said at the beginning, right now we exist in the midst of two realities that are not fully connected. We can see bits of the other one. We can feel parts of it, but not the entirety of it. And yet Christ has said that we are coming to a day when that is no longer the defining aspect of reality. We are coming to a day in which our subjectivity, our experiences, our pains, our hurts, our joys, and dreams become fully fulfilled through the lens of Christ's objectivity in which those things are no longer indirectly connected but fully come together for the glory of God and our own fulfillment. Thank you all so much. If, if any of you would like to, uh, to talk more about this or, or anything else, please let me know. I'm always, always happy to talk. Um, you're all wonderful, beautiful people. Have an excellent day. Stay safe in the snow. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.